Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's ride time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger baseball. How's it going, Dodger fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of The Incline. We got an exciting episode today. It might be a heated one as well. It has not been a good week since the last time you heard from us. But the only good news is we will be announcing the Corey Seager World Series bobblehead later today before we announce it online as well. So stay tuned for that. But back to the Dodgers front. They are now 88 and 53. They fall. They have fallen two and a half games back of the San Francisco Giants. The road trip was pretty gnarly. They went three and four. They lost their last two to the Cardinals. Today's game, which we're recording on a Thursday, was an absolute slap in the face to all Dodgers fans out there. Can't wait to dive into that. Of course, the road trip started off with the Dodgers going to San Francisco. That did not work out as well. But let's get the panel going. Of course, my co-host, Jake Reiner. How's it going? Welcome back to California. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. And the Dodgers are, oof, it is rough. Um, it, it just seems like there, there are two uh, forces at play here, which are the, the pitching seems to have been just elite all season long. And I think it's the only reason why the Dodgers have the record that they have and are in the position that they're in. Because if it's not, if, if it wasn't for the pitching, this would be a disaster. And uh, because the offense is just, it's all over the place. And most recently it has been really bad over the last 30 days. The Dodgers rank 26th in baseball with a 688 OPS and 29th in baseball with an abysmal 293 on base percentage. So it's not even that the Dodgers aren't cashing in the opportunities that they have. They're not getting any of these opportunities. And one thing I know that David has brought up time and time again is the fact that they're just not working the counts. They're not doing what we know that they should be doing, which, which is working the pitch, pitch count, getting on base, drawing walks. They're just not doing it. And I'm not sure why. Um, it seems like Cody Bellinger is going up there and swinging at the first pitch every time or popping out on the second pitch. Um, he's having horrendous at-bats. Um, but it's not just him. I, I honestly, and we'll get into this a little bit later, uh, before I let David go, which is Cody Ballinger has been bad, but the only reason we're 
focusing so much on him is because he's so much worse than the rest of the team, but the rest of the team isn't that much better. Um, and, and that, and that's a huge issue and it's, and it's not just Cody Bellinger. Okay. But Cody Bellinger is really, really, really bad. He we'll, is, he is we'll terrible. Get, we'll yes. get to that. We'll get to that. David Rosenthal, how you feeling? Not great, Kevin. Frankly, not great. Uh, this offense is cheeks. Uh, they are blowing opportunities. And like Jake said, they're just getting dicked down by these pitchers. They're going down in three pitch at bats. Uh, I mean, they're getting lined up, put on the wall and hazed. Uh, it's not pretty. Uh, the Wainwright game especially was a disaster for me personally, because I just cannot stand to see this lineup go down in six, seven pitch innings. Uh, we got, we got Seager swinging at three and O when we're down two runs. Uh, frankly, that's just not the approach you need to have. It's just not. And that starts with Dave Roberts. He's allowing that to happen. And that's just indicative of how this offense has been performing as of late. The last month or so has just not been up to par. Uh, look at the, look at the roster they have. That is not, it's just simply not acceptable. Yes. It's a long season. Yes. You go through peaks and valleys and, and, and highs and lows. Uh, but to, to have this consistent poor approach at the plate, that is what's unacceptable to me. Results, results be damned. If you lose and you have a good approach at the plate, you work the count, you hit the ball hard, and you lose, that's baseball. But if you have a shitty approach at the plate and you're, you're getting hazed by Cardinals pitchers who sh you should not be getting hazed by, that's unacceptable, and that starts at the top. Well, you might be pissed more about the Adam Wainwright start, but I can live with that because at least Adam Wainwright is an established all-star. He'll get some Hall of Fame votes. And we know what he can do. Today's game was against Jake Woodford, who, first of all, was throwing a lot of pitches down the middle. And what do the four through nine hitters do today? They go hitless. It just felt like this Dodgers offense had no rhythm. You knew once Max Muncy and Corey Seager were at the plate, even Justin Turner couldn't get anything going. Once we got to Cody Bellinger batting fifth, which should not have been a thing to begin with, you knew the rest of this lineup was going to just go down without a fight because it's gotten that bad. Billy McKinney is another guy who I don't understand how he's starting at this point. He's batting 192 for the season. He has a 280 on base over his last 30 games. He's hitting 131 with one home run. But how does Dave Roberts continue to start Billy McKinney? Because he's not offering this team anything. Yeah. And well, the issue is, is that it would be nice if the Dodgers had a decent bench so that they could give the starters a rest now and again. I think the issue is, is that, Roberts tends to bench too many of his good starters at the same time, instead of benching one here, benching one there, giving them a rest here, giving them a rest there. The, the truth is, is that these guys have to start. If they're on the team, they've got to play um, because if they don't play, they're not, it's not like they're going to get any better sitting on the bench. You got to put them in there at some point and you got to give them at bats. The one thing that I don't understand, and, and I don't know if you want to get into it right now, and a lot of people are, are asking for where the hell Matt Beatty is, but that's another question. I'm not saying that Matt Beatty is the answer to all of our problems, but when he's the only guy that was really doing any type of damage off the bench and giving a much better at bats than the rest of these guys, it's, I, I'm dumbfounded as to why he's not up with the big club. Someone, I put a tweet out of his numbers in August and from August 1st to the 25th, because he was sent down after that, 
he was hitting 333, 364, 524. That was a slash line with an 887 OPS, a home run, four RBIs, a double walk, stolen base, and a 375 BAPIP. I mean, that's nothing, you know, those are good numbers. I, I don't I don't understand why you look at that and say, okay, we're gonna send you down. Someone mentioned that I don't know, McKinney's out of options or they, you know, they brought, right. But I'm just saying it doesn't justify keeping him. No, I'm not. That's my point. It's like, you know, what are we, what do we gain with McKinney up there? Nothing. I mean, you gotta, you just have to, it was like what we were discussing in the beginning of the season when Matt Beatty was on an absolute tear and then Roberts benches him for like the entire Chicago Cubs series. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, again, I'm not saying that he's the answer to our prayers, but gosh, when the offense is this bad, don't you put in the guys that could give you some opportunity at success? I mean, that just seems like a no brainer to me. Okay. Yes and no. Um, Matt Beatty is a good option off the bench. He is, he will give you better at bats than Billy McKinney right now. Uh, but and Souza. I mean, yeah, but I mean, Souza's in there to hit left-handers. Let's be real. I, he started today because they needed to give Seager a day off and they needed Smith a day off and all that stuff. But the point is, is Matt Beatty is no savior. He's not Hank Aaron. He's not going to cure the offensive struggles of Muncie, of Mookie Betts, of Chris Taylor, or Cody Bellinger. And that's what the Dodgers need. They don't need, uh, you know, extreme run production from Matt Beatty or Billy McKinney. Uh, they need their stars to start acting like stars. That's what it comes down to. And from a logistical side of things, for anyone listening who who is is with you, and is 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 dumbfounded at why they don't have Beatty up there and they have McKinney, it's because he has no options, and they want him as an insurance option for the playoff roster. Uh, let's say they, you know, someone gets hurt, they want to have the ability to bring him on the roster, whether it be for defense or, or to play in, in an emergency situation, Matt Beatty can't give you the defense that Billy McKinney is going to give you. That's just the facts. I, I agree that Matt Beatty needs to be up at this point. Uh, but if you're looking for a reason why McKinney's up and Beatty's not, that's the reason. No. And I totally, I'm totally agree with you on that. But my, but my point is, and I, and, and again, I also agree with the fact that if the other guys that you mentioned, the guys that you, that were supposed to be counting on were playing up to their abilities and carrying this team. Nobody would care that Matt Beatty's not on this, not, exactly. not on this roster. And exactly. nobody would care that Billy McKinney is just in an awful season long slump. I do care. However, that Cody Bellinger is in a season long slump that does matter. But at the same time, when you see that your offense just isn't producing at all, you got to do something. You got to put someone in there that can give you, you know, a productive at bat. That's all I'm saying. I agree. Yeah. I feel like something is going on behind the scenes with Matt Beatty and the Dodgers organization. And I think we'll find the answer out in the off season. That's just my. Yeah. I mean, you theory. saw that his wife posted something on a Facebook forum about you'll find out the real story later. And it's like, you know, I don't I don't got time for this, this, tinfoil hat just just either be on the roster or don't i don't need to hear all these we'll find out the story it's like if you're going to complain about your playing time then so be it but i mean you're you're employed by the team so you know that's that's just it is what it is rosters did get expanded to 28 men and we did see zach mckintry up for a little bit before he got sent back down and they activated steve steven souza jr but 
I want to talk about Cody Bellinger now because this has been one of the worst seasons for a superstar player in the history of Major League Baseball. His batting average has now plummeted to a 158 with a 232 on base percentage. The slugging isn't much better. Overall in the season, he has a low OPS of around 500. In the month of September, he's gone hitless. He's on an 0 for 25 hitless streak. And his last home run, you have to date it all the way back to August 11th in Philadelphia when he had a two home run game. Now, I know that the injury to A.J. Pollock certainly threw kind of a wrench in what their plan was by platooning Bellinger. Now they're forced to start him against both arms once again. But the Dodgers got to they got to rip the Band-Aid off. They got to sever the head. This is just out of control. You cannot be starting Cody Bellinger in September games anymore because, as you guys already mentioned, his approach at the plate, he's not doing a damn thing for this Dodgers team, and the defense is not making up for the lack of bat. Here's my question. So McKinney's out of options. Is Bellinger? No. Nope. I mean, it's a drastic move, but Beatty for Bellinger right now – I don't see what, what, you know, what harm that would do. It wouldn't make us any worse. In fact, it may make us a little better. I get it. The defense is not even close to being the same, but justifying that, I mean, th- you've got guys that can play center field. You've got Betts can play center field, even though he's kind of hurt, but, but Chris Taylor can play center field. And I know that Trey Turner doesn't want to play in the outfield, but he could also play center field. So th- it's not like you've got like horrendous options to put out there. The, the offense is just so bad that you can't justify putting him in the lineup based on defense at this point. I, I agree. Uh, it's just a matter of, are they going to do it? And my answer to that is, is no, no uh, I don't they, think so they, either. They believe in him. Uh, while it's, it's ugly right now at the plate, he's, he's two for his last 38, 11 for his last 92. That's good for a 120 average and a 354 OPS. But the most jarring stat offensively is the last 60 at-bats. He has a negative 49 weighted runs created plus. That is worse than the league, but the staggering stat, it's 75 points below the second worst in the league over the last 60 at-bats. That is insane. He is literally the worst offensive player in baseball by that metric and by pretty much every other metric over the last 60 at-bats. And to your, to your point, the defense doesn't necessarily make up for that at all uh, because yeah, he'll make, he'll make some plays that no one else on the Dodgers roster can make. Uh, but how often do those happen every game? No. Uh, so it's just a matter of, you know, what are they going to do? I think they're going to keep running them out there. The AJ Pollock injury could not have happened at a worse time. It, it just couldn't. And then you factor in Chris Taylor, who is basically getting a pass because of how bad Bellinger's been. But Taylor's 14 for his last 93, 93, three for his last 44. He leads the team in strikeouts by over 50. Uh, He's been just as bad as Bellinger, frankly. He really has. You know what's interesting, though, and this may be getting a little off topic, but how how well do you guys value all-star appearances? They only value the first half of the season. Yeah. You know, so like Chris Taylor, yeah, he was an all-star this year. But what that really means is that he only played well for the first couple of months of the season. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he played well for the second half of the season. And right now he isn't. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember a very common theme on this show was 
Chris Taylor, you have to sign him over Corey Seager because he's just playing too well right now. And I always had the hesitation, like, let's see how the whole season plays out. And then I'll give you my answer. David already read some of the stats. His batting average has now fallen to 259. Meanwhile, Corey Seager is one of the only bright spots in this Dodgers offense. I, um, Chris Taylor is even down to, he's on a two for 27 slump, five for 54, 180 batting average over his last 30 games. Meanwhile, Corey Seager, last seven games, he's hitting 450. And that's just one of the things. He's been one of the most consistent bats ever since he got back from the injury. You can look at every 15 game stretch, he's hitting around 300. And that's why I've been saying, let's see how this shakes out. Because for me now, I'm real. I'm willing to overpay Corey Sear because I know his bat is more reliable for a full 162. Yeah, I mean, if he stays healthy, he is sure. Yeah. But that injury, the, that, he has not had an injury. Mark. He has not had an injury out of his control since 2018, and the whole injury-prone narrative is really blown out of proportion because he could not control the fact that Ross Detweiler, who now has been designated for assignment by the Marlins, fractured his hand. Yes. However, I don't. I mean, maybe. I, I don't have the best memory, but I don't remember saying let's pay Chris Taylor over Corey Seager. I mean, I may be wrong, but um, it was certain- definitely discussed. I, I know that we were leaning towards it, uh, but in fact, we were factoring in the, the price tag difference as well. Uh, you know, you got to factor in that Corey Seager is going to fetch over probably over $200 million uh, and Chris Taylor will be under a hundred million dollars. So there is, you know, value in, in paying Chris Taylor to produce at a slightly lower level, obviously. Uh, but I mean, look, these, you got to, to CT3's credit. I mean, he, he was carrying the team when everyone else was bad uh, back in the first half of the year during that bad stretch, uh, you know, around the all-star break. So he's entitled to have this, but it's just come at a brutal time when pretty much everyone on the roster is also struggling. Right. So you got Corey Seager, you got Trey Turner and Max Muncy. That's pretty much it. I mean, Justin Turner a little bit here and there, but that, that, that that's Will it. Smith. Will Smith. Yes. So, the, but the thing is, is it's, we, we wouldn't be looking so, so heavily at Cody Bellinger if, if Muncy, I mean, not Muncy, Mookie Betts, was playing to the ability that we know he can play and the rest of the guy, I mean, they're, it's like, they're playing well, but not, none of them are really on fire. Like Trey Turner's pretty hot. Will Smith is pretty hot and Corey Seager's pretty hot, but the rest of those guys are, are playing well, but, but not great. And the issue is, which I said before is that they're, they're not getting on base that's typically how the Dodgers score runs is that they, they, they have that pass the baton approach where they get the next guy up. They keep walking and keep putting pressure on the, on the pitcher and working the count. That's not happening. And to hear manager Dave Roberts say, I don't know what's going on. Well, God damn it. You're supposed to know, <laughs> like you're yep. supposed to be the guy that knows what's going on and is able to fix it. Don't act like you're, you know, a dumbfounded fan that we're sitting here being like, we don't know what's going on. You're in the damn clubhouse, bro. Fire, fire the team up somehow. Get someone in there to, to, to rattle the cage. 
I think this team would be five or six games out of first right now, if not worse, if they didn't acquire Trey Turner at the deadline. He's oh, been yeah. the model of consistency. Other and than Scherzer. Maybe, yeah. Well, yes, but sticking on the offense subject, um, besides the first few games where he was a little shaky, he's a 321 bat- batting average on the season. And over his last 30 games, which I think covers most, most of his Dodgers tenure, he's batting 320 and he has a 16-game hitting streak, which I believe is either a match or his best of his career. But yeah. you want to talk about this Dodgers offense struggling with runners in scoring position because ever since this tailspin, I dated it back 14 games. They're hitting a league worse, um, league worse 204, which is just dreadful. 204, for those that didn't hear me, and a 28, they ranked 28th with a 652 OPS. And then I do have some stats about the Dodgers Giants series, how these teams did with runners in scoring position as well. Dodgers were four for 24. That's a 167 clip. Meanwhile, the Giants were eight for 40, only a 200. But the fact that the Giants were able to get 40 men with runners in scoring position over three games is kind of mind boggling. Right. And that's the approach that the Dodgers have been known to do, to just have traffic constantly on the base paths. The other thing that I think, you know, is interesting is that a lot of the, I, I just, and I don't have the stats uh, off the top of my head, but just watching the games, it just seems like every time they get Trey Turner on base, it's like, we should be running that guy every single time, get the, get him in scoring position. Don't, you know, don't leave him on first base all the time. I just feel like, you know, there, there was, um, in the first game of the of the Cardinal series, it seemed like the Dodgers were super aggressive on the base paths, and then that that game plan kind of went away uh, for the rest of the series. I, I don't know. I mean, you you just got to try try everything and, and see if see if something can can change it. The one thing that I did um, like today, you know, the like Kevin mentioned, the the five through nine was just awful, or four through nine was just awful today. But I. I think batting Mookie Betts leadoff is is key, uh, and having Trey Turner bat either second or third, it doesn't really matter where you bat him in the lineup; he's going to produce. But I think having Mookie Betts in that spot, we we know historically he's just a better hitter when he leads off the game when he's when it when he's in that position. Maybe they just got to stick with that and see what happens. Yeah, one one stat I want to talk about real quick is is a concerning trend I've seen all year. This Dodgers team is this Dodgers offense is pretty bad when we're trailing in games. Yeah. Uh, OPS 686 as a team when trailing, that's good for 22nd best in the league or, you know, eighth worst, whatever you want to call it. And average 219 when they're trailing, that is second worst in baseball. Uh, and then you look at the top of the, you look at the leaderboards, the giants 772 OPS second best when they're, when they're trailing from behind. Batting average, Giants, seventh best when trailing from behind. That's that's the difference in the division. Uh, you know, when this Dodgers team gets behind, I haven't seen them fight back. It just doesn't happen often. Uh, you know, you look well, back. That's, that's the difference between the Dodgers and the Giants this year. Yeah. I mean, Lamont Wade is nine for 15 in the ninth inning with nine RBIs. Uh, and we don't have that. We, we just don't. We haven't had that this season. Uh, and it's a concerning trend. There's the, the two concerning trends for me are when the Dodgers get behind, they don't come back. And second is 
they'll if they score a couple runs in the first inning, then they take a six inning nap and they get complacent. Those are the two concerning trends. And I think if there will be a downfall, I said this on Twitter. I think if there will be a downfall for this Dodgers team, it will it will be because they didn't wear down a starting pitcher and they just took hacks, didn't work the count, let the guy coast for for six seven innings when he should have been out of the game after five. If they if they had a if they had the same approach they did last season. And also, you're forcing your either your starter or your bullpen to really walk a fight like a tightrope and remarkably they've been able to do that. I mean, this bullpen has been unreal uh, in its ability to uh, either keep the deficit where it is or hold a lead or hold the tie um, and give the Dodgers offense a chance to, to, to come back in games. I mean, that, that has been remarkable that I've seen throughout this season. And like I said, it's the pitching. That's the only reason why we're seeing the Dodgers have this success, the the modicum of success that they've had this year. And that's why they're in the position that they're in. It's just such a bizarre season though, because it's like they have this ridiculous record. They're only two and a half games behind the giants. And yet both of those teams look like they've had completely different years and they're really not separated by much. It's just mind blowing. It just feels like the giants have all the confidence in the world the fact that they can't lose, they have that can't lose mentality and the Dodgers, it looks like they're on the verge of freaking disaster every game. It's just a weird, you know, and you know, if you're looking at it anecdotally, it's just a weird concept when you look at both of these teams. I mean, prior to when the giant series began, the pitching really was what was holding this team together because I remember off the top of my head in the second half, Prior to San Francisco, they had like a league best 270 ERA, which is just incredible stuff. But then, of course, we saw Walker Buehler get absolutely torched by the Giants. He gave up six runs. Just the other day, Mitch White gave up four runs. That was unfortunate. But other than that, you know, Max Scherzer, we have not seen any faults on him yet. So let's hope that is able to sustain because I'm worried that there will be a start where he might have a hiccup. But that remains to be seen. Meanwhile, we got good news that Clayton Kershaw will make his return to the Dodgers rotation on Monday at home against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So look for that. If you're going to the game, I imagine he'll probably go four, maybe five innings tops if he has an efficient pitch count. And then we saw Tony Gonsolin activated off the 60-day IL and started in that 2-1 to loss against St. Louis today. Little control issues early on, but it seemed like he was able to settle in. He was able to get some big strikeouts and went three innings. He was on a very tight pitch count, but I actually liked what I saw from Tony Gonsolin compared to the last time he came off the IL where he just looked completely rattled and had no command of that splitter or slider. Yeah, I really, he looked good. He did. He looked, uh, yeah, you you said he, he struggled a little bit with, with control, but ultimately he was able to, you know, keep the, keep the deficit right where it was. and, And it wasn't, um, it wasn't a disaster, um, and gave the Dodgers a chance to win. Yeah, it was only three innings. I mean, that, that's a good sign. He just came off the, the IL. He's been struggling with injuries throughout the entire season. Um, but one thing that, you know, I know you mentioned, Kevin, is that um, we need Andre Jackson. I mean, that is plain and simple. We need him to be a guy that is consistently on this team and making starts for us. Um, I think we need to get away from this opener deal. I feel like every time they put Knable out there, he gives up a run or two and that's just, or either Gratterall too. Like both those guys, 
either get away from the opener or just don't have those guys open games uh, because we've seen them time and time again, give us, put us in a deficit. And that's just not good uh, for a team that has shown that it really can't come back in games. One thing that I just think sums up this season in a nutshell is the fact that the Dodgers were 21 and six in August. Now, let me ask you guys this question. Did it feel like we were 21 and six? Because yeah, just watching for, this for team. August, I, yes. September has been really bad. But August, I felt like we were the best team in baseball. We but the dominated offense, what, the I mean, Braves. We, we I mean, swept we gotta, the Padres. Let's, let's, let's pull back here for a second. Before this two games, I believe, I think we had won 23 of 29, I believe. Uh, so we're generally in the area of 23 and of the last 31 games. Uh, it's give or take one or two, but we're in that general area. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to pull, pull back for a little bit, step outside ourselves. If the San Francisco giants did not exist or they just, you know, were not good, we would not be complaining about any of this right now. Uh, the Dodgers are still, you know, the second best record in baseball, I believe second or third, uh, so it's the only reason we're doing this is because we're we're basically on the brink of playing a one one game winner go home wild card game, which sucks as as a fan that sucks especially as a Dodgers fan with this roster, uh, but at the end of the day, you got to win it. That's it. That's what it comes down to. This team is is still legit. They're good. Uh, they can turn it on at any point. They haven't recently. That's for sure. Uh, but I'm I'm honestly not extremely concerned I, I i am not optimistic at this point but i'm not extremely concerned for one reason and that's because there's three weeks left in the season for these guys to stop sucking uh the chances are in baseball you're going to go through a couple weeks of a rough patch maybe a month uh but at the end of three weeks that month is going to be up for a lot of these guys uh so i don't expect these guys to just suck for the rest of the season that's just me Right. Well, the, the, the two, the two things that gave me pause during that stretch that you just mentioned, whether you're talking about the 21 and six in August, or even over the last 30 days where, where I was talking about some offensive stats, that's been the, that's been the issue is that the pitching has been great. The offense has not been great. And the other factor is, is that the giants have been just as good. And so, yeah, I agree. We would not be, you know, lamenting about the offense as much as we are if, if the San Francisco Giants weren't having an out-of-body experience the entire year. But the fact is, is that maybe it's a good thing that the Giants are this good. It's exposing what the Dodgers don't have. And if the Dodgers were, you know, coasting the rest of the way, like we would expect them to, I mean, heck, they're on, they're on pace to win over 100 games. That's not, you know, that's a good season. Um we may not have seen what, you know, what, what the big issue was until we got to the playoffs and, Oh, oops, by the way, it's sort of, it was like 2019 where it's like you got to the playoffs and all of a sudden you're exposed. You're, you're facing really good starting pitching from the Washington nationals. And in a series that, that I thought maybe the Dodgers, you know, it wouldn't be, you know, a sweep, but they definitely should have handled the nationals better than they did, but they were exposed. And yep. similarly, we're, we're seeing them exposed this season uh, because the Giants are so good. Yeah, so I'll, I'll make this kind of quick to wrap up everything you said, because I agree with you to some extent, but I also disagree. The Dodger fan of me wants to say it's never a good thing that the Giants are good. But you brought up a good point about in 2019, this team was not challenged. It was probably the worst division 
in the NL West outside of the Dodgers for competition wise, because they just steamrolled everyone. No one put up a fight and then they faced a good team in the nationals and they got exposed. Uh, with that being said, you know, the Dodgers did lose the season series to the giants. It's official. We lost 10 games to nine. That's fine. I still feel like this Dodgers team is going to win the division. I know I've been saying this for like two months now, but the Padres and giants still have 10 games yet to play. And we know that the Padres have to fight and claw their way against the giants because they are on the verge of losing that second wild card spot because the Cincinnati reds, although they can't seem to take care of business on their end, similar to last year with the NL central. when we had like three teams and they all just kept losing near the end of the season. And we're like, okay, can one of you just win a freaking game? And then we faced the Brewers who were like two games below 500. But regardless, the point is the Padres have to beat the giants. For me, the cushion has been if the Dodgers are two and a half, three games before that 10 game series stretch begins, we just got to take care of business on our end. Dodgers will be on top. And I've yet to say that this season has been a disappointment because as David said, if the Giants weren't overachieving or just being good, we wouldn't be going on about how this Dodgers team is frustrating and all that because 88 wins at this point in the year is still a remarkable number and they could get 100 wins, which is awesome. And also don't don't forget about the Cubs. The Cubs are on fire right now and they have to play the Giants. So I, I feel like for, for a team that, nobody really expects much of they were fire sailing at the deadline they're on fire right now and i'm hoping that that streak continues against the giants uh, i honestly Windler. wouldn't count on it but um we'll see hey i'm trying to i'm trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel here <laughs> josh the flip had a question for us something needs to change with the offense other than play better do we need a coaching change and, you know, I don't think they need a coaching change per se, but I wanted to get back to what Jake was saying earlier about them mixing up the offense by batting Mookie leadoff. And for a player like Mookie Betts, that actually was a very important change because prior to entering this game when they lost, batting third, though limited at bats, Mookie Betts did have an OPS of 700, which is not good compared to when he's batting in the one hole. He has an OPS slightly over 900. Yeah. I I'm totally for that. Even, even though Trey Turner obviously is, is more of a, a stolen base threat. He's faster than Mookie is. And when he gets on base, he creates havoc. But when, you know, your offense is struggling as it is to change things up and put bets in a spot where, you know, he's comfortable, you're going to need Mookie bets to perform. And even though he has been hurt a few times during this season, it seemed like every time he went on the IL or, you know, was taken out of the lineup for a few days, he started to put things together and he was leading off. Cheryl Romano, do the Dodgers have a sports psychologist? And I actually kind of used to know this answer. I think I found him on LinkedIn. They did have a sports psychologist, pretty big guy, repped a lot of notable people. I think he was also the same psychologist that worked with LeBron James. I don't know who is their psychologist now. But most teams, this is pretty common. Most teams do have a sports psychologist and whoever they have at the moment is not working with Cody Bellinger. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but it's, it's just a, you know, he's, this is a lost year for Cody Bellinger. It is. Um, there's nothing anyone or anything can do. That's just what, that's just what the reality is. Frankly, his approach is awful. He's going to need to retool his entire swing, in my opinion. 
and as for that, that first question, I, I think they do take a look at Van Skoyok in the off season and see and say, Hey, is this, is this what we want from our approach? Is, is he unlocking the potential out of everyone that he, that he possibly can. So I do think they'll take a look at him. And I also think they're going to take a look at the Oklahoma city coaching staff because, because what the hell has gone on down there that they are hitting triple a pitching like they're Barry bonds. And then they come up and they, they're hitting like one of us. So I think they're going to take a look at all that stuff. Dave Roberts isn't going anywhere. So don't get any ideas. Anyone listening. That's here's my look. Yeah. Here's my question though, that I've seen floating around on online. Um, and I want to get your guys' take on, do you think that, that Cody Bellinger is fixable? And what I mean by that is it's not so much. Yes. Okay. He's recovering from shoulder surgery and he got spiked in the beginning of the season running down the first baseline. So there are some injuries and you know, that he needed to recover from, but since the second half of his MVP season, he's really not been that great. And so, and that was, bef- that was before he got hurt. So are we seeing a player that is just, you know, trying to figure things out and can get back to that MVP caliber playing, or is this a bust? We don't know. And we're not going to know until next season. That's, that's just what it is. Um, look, the, sh- the shoulder, the shoulders messed up. The broken leg didn't help. And uh, obviously there's some other stuff going on mentally with him because you don't, you don't do what you did in 2019 to go. What is it? Two for his last 38, 11 for his last 92 and, and no hits this month and a negative weighted runs created plus the last 60 at bats. That just doesn't happen unless something is going on. And we're not going to know the full scale of what exactly is going on behind the scenes with, with the hitting coach with Van Skoyok and all that. Uh, but this, this is a lost year for Cody Ballinger. Let's call it what it is. Yep. I've been saying that for a while for simplicity. I will just say he needs a full reset at this point. Start over in the off season, do what you were doing in 2019. I can give a pass for 2020 because I do know, we all know he changed his approach at the plate. It took him some time to adjust. It was a very short 60 game season, but come playoffs, it absolutely worked. He looked like that MVP unlike in 2019 where he had a great regular season was exposed during the postseason. This was kind of the opposite, which is what you definitely prefer. You have your best, you, you bring your best when it matters most. And I I don't know really what else to add other than, yeah, the shoulder has really screwed him. He didn't have a, he didn't have a full spring training heading into this season. I knew that was going to slow him down. Obviously, as David said, he got spiked that sent him backwards too. All we can hope for at this point is somewhat of a productive approach as a pinch hitter. I'm hoping because Pollock, I would, I hope can make it back when the postseason rolls around. Worst timing for that injury. Jesus. Awful. I was, I saw it. The second I saw it, I was at the game. I said, we're fucked. (laughs) All right, guys. I think it's a good time now to announce the Corey Seager world series MVP bobblehead. I know I said I would, Show the video last time. I didn't. I got too busy. Can't guarantee that I'll have the video up this time around either because I'm flying out to Hawaii for some big things. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, look at that. We had over 200 entries. Thank you guys so much for participating. Just going to shuffle it around and pick a for name. The, for those of you that can't see, Kevin has a bowl with a bunch of names in it. I, that's right. 
I individually wrote down every single entry. So I'm going to commend myself for doing it that well way, done. not the lazy yes. way. Here we go. Wow. It's actually one of our loyal incline listeners, Josh the Flip, who the also flip. He entered using the promo code last time as well, believe. So congratulations. Congratulations, Josh. You will hear from me shortly. So stay tuned for that. Congrats again on the Corey Seager bobblehead. Very excited for you. Moving on. I feel like we've played this team a lot more than we actually have. It's only been 13 games. And the last time they faced off the Dodgers swept them. They still trailed the season series though, six to seven. But here they are again, this time out in Los Angeles, the San Diego Padres are coming into town doing a little better than they were last time, but still they are like 15 games out or something after they were bragging that they were going to win the NOS. So we'll see if they can get a wild card spot that remains to be seen, but the pitching matchups have been announced and it'll be Julio Urias looking for, I believe his 17th win on the season. He's got 16 of them. He'll face, he'll face off against Joe Musgrove. Then Saturday marquee matchup looking to redeem himself Walker Buehler and look who's coming up finally after hiding for over a year now it seems Chris Paddock on the mound for the Padres and then finally Max Scherzer and of course we just cannot seem to avoid this guy he did well against us last time he pitched a little too long it's Blake Snell this should be a fun one uh (laughs) We finally get to see Chris Paddock. It's been over a year since we saw the Sheriff uh, face off against these these Dodgers. Um, and this is going to be the real, I don't know what the word is, but uh, watermark for Cody Bellinger. Because uh, he's going to be in the lineup versus Chris Paddock. I can almost guarantee you that. Uh, and if he can't do something against Chris Paddock, there's not much hope for him the rest of the year. Uh it's, it's plain and simple. Two of these games are very winnable. Uh, Friday and Saturday are very winnable. The Snell game is going to be tough. Uh, he pitched, he's pitched very, very well his last two outings. Uh, three outings, I guess. Absolute tear, yeah. yeah. Three and two record. He, he did lose a weird game to the Angels because he got no run support. But, yeah, the point is he, had a, he has a 185 and 078 whip over his last six or seven starts. He's been on a tear. Yeah, uh, so it looks like Barnes will catch that game, I would imagine. So we're going to have that for us. Uh, but this is, a, this is a series the Dodgers need to win if, they, if they're serious about winning the division. Uh, I think they need a sweep, frankly, uh, but two out of three at a minimum. Yeah, they need to win every series from here on out. I mean, that is, if they, if they want to win the division. The wild card spot's locked up. Yeah, that's a home game too. Right. They're going to be in the wild card spot no matter what. That's the worst that they can do. So if they want to win the division, then they've got to at least win or sweep every single series. And I agree that two of these three games are very, very winnable. We've we've hit Joe Musgrove before. We've hit Paddock before. The only guy we can't hit is Snell. But the good news is, is that we have arguably our best pitcher on the mound, Max Scherzer. You, you could make an argument for Bueller, but since Bueller had that one hiccup, Scherzer has been absolutely immaculate for us uh, since being traded from the Nationals over to the Dodgers. It's just going to be—it's just going to come down to the to, to the offense. Uh, we we know we have our best pitchers going uh, against the the San Diego Padres, and we've got 
are pitchers that we know can go deep into games. So I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is scoring runs and not just scoring early, but scoring consistently. Like David was saying, it seems like it, we either score in the first inning, take a nap for six, seven innings, and then eke out some runs late in games. Um, but it would be nice to have one of those clunkers that we've not clunkers because clunkers is a bad term. And if you're, if you're trying to talk positively about the Dodgers, but one of those ambushes, exactly. Um, that would be nice. We haven't seen those in a while. So, uh, it would be nice to, to see at least one, uh, during this series, but I think the Dodgers take two out of three, two out of three. I don't think we're losing the Scherzer start, so I'm calling another sweep. I do have some concerns, I guess, on the Friday matchup. Joe Musgrove is a good pitcher, and Julio has been on a tear. I don't know. If, I don't really necessarily believe in guys being due for stinkers, but he has been pitching a little too well recently. And the Padres have some right-handed bats who are pretty special. Although they've, they've seen they've seen our guys a lot this year. Yes, especially Urias. And I think it doesn't Bueller, seem to matter about Snell though. We've seen him a ton. That's yeah. true. And Bueller, you know, he's going to want to redeem himself after his last outing. So you have to expect a bounce back performance, but Machado over his last 15 games, batting 267. That's solid. It's not great, but it's definitely solid. Meanwhile, Fernando Tatis Jr. Is really struggling. He's not Bellinger bad, but over his last month, 30 game stretch. He's in the, he's below 200 batting 193 and he's striking out a lot. And also he looks really bad in the outfield. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You can add that as well. Um, I, you know, every time we face Snell recently, he's, he's come off a really bad stretch and he's kind of found himself again against the Dodgers. So what I'm happy is what I'm hoping is that the reverse happens in this situation where like you're mentioning, he's on a good three game stretch or those last three outings have been good so maybe this time he has he has his first stinker against the dodgers i I can't wait for that is there any bat you want to call your shot and say they have a big series or any other things between these two teams otherwise we're going to transition to the final part of the show i'm going to call my shot and say and say will smith has a big series I was going I would love to say AJ Pollock again, but sadly that's not going to happen. Uh, I don't, I I'm not even going to bother because I, I haven't seen a, a glimmer of hope from this offense in, in a week or whatever it's been. Uh, I just hope they sweep these guys because I would love to just contribute to their complete and utter demise this season. If we're going to play the wildcard game, I would much rather play the reds. Uh, that's just, that's just me personally. Uh, the Padres have the talent, although they're not playing up to it similarly to what the Dodgers are doing. So I would love to contribute to their demise and, and just put them in a locker and, and keep them there. So we'll see what happens. I thought the Padres were going to definitely miss the playoffs, but at this point now, given where things are, I have to root for them to beat the Giants, which probably means they will make a wild card spot. It's, it's a weird yeah it's it's weird it's like we we want to we want to kick their shit in this weekend but we if we want the division we kind of have to root for them so it's a it's a balance do we know what they how they've played the giants this year i honestly haven't played them a lot they still have 10 games left with them exactly yeah 
I, I feel like it, it's, it was relatively close. I do remember San Francisco winning a couple, but I haven't, I didn't, I didn't date it back far enough to know, but all right, let's close this one out on a positive note. Or if you want to go negative, be my guest. Give me some final thoughts, whether it's Dodgers related, Major League Baseball related. You know, there's all there's always awesome stuff going around the rest of the league that we don't necessarily cover. But got a few minutes left, so I'm all ears. The the here's the silver lining for me, and I know we've we've bashed the offense a lot, and for the offense to be this bad is unacceptable in, in many different ways. I totally get that. But the silver lining is this. If I had a choice between whether the Dodgers offense was terrible or whether their pitching was terrible, I would pick the offense because as we've seen this pitching staff, whether it be the starters that they've thrown out there or the combination of relievers that we've seen have delivered them a really successful year. Now, again, you do have to score to win, but this, this pitching staff has kept the Dodgers in so many games that they should, they should have otherwise have lost. So that's the silver lining for me. If there's anything that I, that we can rely on to take us the rest of the way and hopefully take the division, it's this pitching staff. And I couldn't be happier with the way this, these, these pitchers have stepped up and have held these leads, have held the ties, have kept the games close. And that's all you can really ask for is give the offense an opportunity to come back. And they've definitely done that. It's just, we got to just see the offense step up, but this pitching staff has been terrific. It's tough for me to, to me to uh, say something too positive right now. It it is. Um, But at the end of the day, they have the best roster in baseball. It's just a matter of, are they going to start playing like it? So that's, that's my silver lining is this team is good enough to wake up one day and, and start acting like the best team in baseball. Will they do it? I don't know. Will they win the division? I don't know. I don't think so right now, but can they win the wild card and can they win the world series after that? Absolutely. They can also go out in a blaze of fire. Who knows? But that's what, that's what we get to witness as fans. So We'll be here to, to we'll be here to hold your hand with you. This next series will be very telling of where this Dodgers team is probably heading come October. They take it to the Padres. That means that there's still life in this team. If they get swept, this might be the first time all year, then I'll admit, yeah, the Dodgers are probably a wild card team, but I still have a lot of hope. There's still enough games left. There's like 20. It's not over yet, guys. I know we're two and a half back. Don't give up. Um, I just looked it up. I was right. It was pretty close. The Padres have four wins against the Giants and they have five losses. So four and five, I think they have in 10 games left. That'd be 19. So perfect. So go Padres. Last thing I want to talk about Derek Jeter was inducted officially into the baseball hall of fame. And I just don't get the haters out there who call this guy overrated. Some people have even gone out on a limb and have a verified check mark saying, He's not a Hall of Famer. Get your heads out of your ass. Stop being jealous. He's not, you don't have to say he's the greatest, but he's definitely in the conversation as one of the greatest shortstops of all time. He's sixth all time in hits with over 3,000. No one has more postseason hits than Derek Jeter. He is the definition of clutch. I don't care that he played for the Yankees. 
look at some of those World Series rosters. They're not better than this Dodgers team or 2020 or 2019. It was only near the very end when they started to load it up with the Teixeiras and Damons and all and the A-Rods and all that. But it used to be his best player was like Bernie Williams. I don't know if Bernie Williams is even a starter on a healthy Dodgers roster. Yeah, Bernie but, Williams is pretty legit. But but besides the point, I'm just trying to say don't knock Jeter for being on a good Yankees team because he was one of the goats. And my that my follow-up to that is is there anyone that you feel like was snubbed from the Hall of Fame that wore a Dodgers uniform? For me, like the early one or the obvious one, I think is Oral Hershiser. I think he should have gotten more recognition for his career. Yeah, I mean, you can also make an argument too for Gil Hodges. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, um, that would be that would be my pick. Um, but yeah, to to your point about Jeter, not only you know was was he clutch and was he consistent and one and was he the leader or the captain of that team, but think about playing in the New York market. You know, we talk about the Dodgers playing in the LA market, and that's a tough market. But New York is even larger. They're number one. Uh, they're the number one media market in the country. And it is brutal. The media there is so much more brutal than anywhere else in the country. Um, and the fact that he was able to uh, not only weather that storm, but just absolutely perform when the when the going got tough. Um, he is he hits he hits over three hundred in a million different categories. All the clutch stats. The only knock I have against him is that he wasn't a good defensive shortstop. But other than that. He was, he was all class. He's a hall of famer in every sense of the word. Uh, I am a blue check Mark, but I was not the one that said he was overrated. I was the one that said the opposite of that, which was he is a hall of famer and he, and he deserves it more than a lot of the guys we've seen get in. I would just like to say, I'm not going to take a stand on the Derek Jeter part. I think he's obviously deserving of a hall of fame. I think he gets a little, okay, maybe I will take a stand. I think, I think he's a little bit overrated. Uh, he did everything he needed to do to win championships and get in the hall of fame for sure. Uh, he's in the top 10 shortstops of all time, but is he in the top three? Absolutely not. Uh, and also I'd like to take my hat off to Larry Walker, who also got into inducted in the hall of fame. Yep. Hell of a career. He was awesome to watch when I was a little kid. Uh, and he's a, he's a fun guy too. So congrats, Larry. And also Ted Simmons, which I didn't know much about him, but he had a great speech. Uh, good switch hitting catcher from, from the, the, the moment I heard his name, I started looking him up and, uh, yeah, hats off to him too. Yep. What team did T- Ted Simmons go on under going under? Was it the, oh shit. I don't know. <laughs> the Cardinals. <laughs> that's right. Screw the Reds the oh, or the Brewers. Reds. Was it wasn't it? the Reds. No, but if it was the Cardinals that I was trying to set you up so I could say, screw the Cardinals. Cause they still, Cheated us out of 2013. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that's cool for Larry Walker, though. The same meaning anymore. That's cool for Larry Walker, though, to uh, to go in as the first Rocky. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. The first and probably the only Rocky for a while. Yeah. Todd, Hel- Todd Helton may get in. We don't uh, know. Yeah, he I would. he would have my vote. <laughs> yeah, I think he Todd won't. Helton's a Hall of Famer. He won't get in. But besides the point... <laughs> Lastly, I did, I forgot to mention it last week, so I wanted to say it this week. In case you didn't hear, Kent Maeda had to undergo Tommy John surgery, effectively ending his season and probably all of 2022. I gave him a very hard time where he when he wore a Dodgers uniform, but I don't ever root for guys to get hurt. So get well soon, Maeda. 
Hope to see you back out there. He's a good dude. Pitch. I liked him a lot. Yeah. If only, if only he accepted a role as a full-time reliever. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I don't blame him because the money yeah. and incentives. Exactly. But, and he did, and he did, he did pitch decently. Yeah. As a reliever. Josh the flip once again congratulations make sure to subscribe to the incline dodgers podcast find us wherever you get your podcast follow us on twitter at the incline pod follow all of us on twitter our handles are listed in the description below and subscribe help us out but i hope you guys have a great week you'll hear from us soon hopefully the dodgers are playing better during that stretch that's it guys have a good weekend go dodgers You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.